It is here. College football is back. Even though this week is called week zero, we've got college football this Saturday for Florida and Miami. And you are listening to The Blackout, where each and every week throughout the college football season, I'll be bringing you content from the biggest games and the best teams of the entire college football season. I'm your host, Thomas Black, and for the very first time, The Blackout is coming to you each and every week from bellyupsports.com. All you have to remember is that no matter how you come across The Blackout, you can always find it right there at Belly Up Sports. And on this week's episode, I've got a preview of the Miami-Florida game taking place in Orlando, coming from Nick Delatori of GatorCountry.com. In addition, earlier this week, I sat down with my wife, Kristen Black, to test her college football knowledge. We found out just how much she knew from last season and a little bit of what she knows going into the 2019 season. And you'll be able to listen to that conversation I had with her in the second segment of the show today. But first and foremost, this podcast is dedicated to the game of college football. So, now from GatorCountry.com, I have joining me for the very first time on the blackout, Nick Delatori. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Now, as we look toward week zero, we're renewing a rivalry between Florida and Miami. They haven't met since 2013. What's the feel in this fan base and this team down in Florida as we get ready for the kickoff here on Saturday? Man, this uh, this used to be my dad went to Florida and when he was growing up, uh, this was an every year rivalry. And uh, by the way, the fans have been going back and forth and going after each other. You would think that it's still an every year rivalry. I think it's great for the state of Florida. And uh, I'm happy that the two teams scheduled, you know, 2024 and 2025 to play again. But uh, it's good the NCAA moved this game up because I think I don't know if the fans here uh, have anything left to say to each other. Uh, they're ready to get some football going. And, um, I think Florida fans are very confident. I think Miami fans are knowledgeable that they're starting a new (laughs) program with a new coach, but also it's Florida. They have no love for Florida. So they're going to, you know, they're going to, uh, talk their smack along with the Gators, even though I think Florida, Florida fans probably have more cause for that confidence right now sure going back a couple of seasons ago i don't know that i ever would have expected the hype to be this big but as we're looking at a guy like felipe franks moving into his third season of college football the idea of what he could do this season seems to be pretty sky high with the weapons he has around him and van jefferson and trevon grimes and Kadarius tony some of those guys what do you think the limit is for felipe franks what is the ceiling as he moves into 2019 yeah, so uh, Felipe's always been a really confident player and a really confident guy. It just never translated to the field. And to me, and I even wrote it, you know, I think that I thought that maybe that was, you know, some false confidence, maybe a, a fake it till you make it. Uh, then the last four games, maybe three and a half, you know, starting with that diving into the end zone touchdown when he told me and everyone else at the stadium to shut up, <laughs> um, something changed in, in him there. And I don't know if that was just, you know, a pressure or a weight off his shoulders just to tell everyone that, you know, had been saying to bench him and he should transfer and all your things worse than that. Um, just telling them to shut up. And and then he torched Idaho, torched Florida state and torched Michigan. 
And uh, I think he really earned the respect. I think he had some respect, but to be you know a leader and to be a true alpha dog, you've got to do it on the field on Saturday. So I think he really earned that next level of respect from his teammates. Now you can't make the argument. You should have beaten South Carolina. It's an Idaho team that you should beat the brakes off. It's the worst Florida state team in three decades. And it's a Michigan team that didn't want to be there hmm. and uh, didn't want to be there enough that half the defense didn't even show up. Um, but I, I, I think he's at least me who has been critical of him. Um, he's kind of worn me over. I'm not on the Felipe Franks Heisman bandwagon, uh, but I am confident that he will continue that progression that we saw in those last three and a half games. And I would be more surprised if we saw a Felipe Franks that we saw against Georgia or against Missouri, if we saw him on Saturday against Miami, or if we saw him this season, I think he's taken in year two of Dan Mullen's offense, taken that confidence that he built and, and really used it and, and kind of propelled himself to, to the next level. And I think, um, I think you'll start to see that Saturday. You mentioned Felipe Franks working to become kind of that alpha dog of this team. When we look at the backfield, is a guy like Michael Pirine, is he going to be the go-to back? Or are we really going to see more of a, a back by committee? And uh, what were we going to see mixed with that with a new offensive line that's going to have a lot of fresh faces? Right, that Jim McElwain, um, you know, the way that they rotated running backs a couple of years ago was, was maddening where there seemed to be no rhyme or reason. Last year, it... it I didn't like when they had the three running backs. It seemed like no one really got into a rhythm. And then that kind of sorted itself out when Malik Davis went down with his injury. I think the reason that there was so much switching back and forth was Scarlett and Piran were very close. And then also Piran was a much better pass catcher out of the backfield. So if there was a, a, a scheme or a personnel that came up where the running back was an option or maybe even the first read, you had to take Jordan Scarlett off the field and put the Michael Piran on. Now I think you have, of a true three down back where Michael Pirine might not excel in any one facet of the game, but he does everything well. So I think he's your bell cow. I think he's your, your go-to back with Malik Davis coming back now, hundred percent healthy for the first time since he's been in Gainesville being the guy to spell him when he needs, you know, some Gatorade or when he needs a breather. But I, I have really big expectations for the Michael Pirine, especially in Dan Mullen's offense. I think he, he's, potentially a guy that could be, you know, Florida's next thousand yard back this year. And I know that's his personal goal. And he's talked about it um, to reporters and, and, and to people close to him. So I think that's his goal. And, and I, I would not be surprised if he got there. Florida's offensive line. Um, I, I'm confident in the first five. Once you start losing a guy, you know, Gene DeLance, he, we watched him practice on Tuesday with his right foot pretty heavily taped. He has bone bruise. If he goes down, Florida doesn't have a true backup right tackle. So then you're either moving your backup left tackle to right tackle or you're starting left tackle to right tackle. And now you're kind of starting to plug and place people. And the offensive line is all about communication and cohesion and, and knowing who's to your left, who's to your right, and being able to, to play off of those guys and being used to them. So I think that's when, if I'm a Gator fan, I start to get worried. If you're starting to move pieces around because Florida's had – that starting five from left to right installed and set since since spring camp. Now, as we flip things and look at the defensive side of the ball, this is a unit that lost several key pieces from last season, but they do return guys like Jabari Zaniga, Marco Wilson, and CJ Henderson. What kind of ceiling do you expect from this defense? What kind of unit do you expect it to be? And you know, how high nationally or maybe in the SEC do you envision them ranking as we move on throughout this year? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you might be ranked, you know, fifth in the nation, but third in the SEC. It seems to be the kind of defenses that, you know, that you have. But I think when you look at the defense, really the two positions you probably are thinking of, well, how do you replace fill in the blank would be Chauncey Gardner at that nickel. They call it the star position. Um, and I think trading can more than do that. He's uh, a bigger version of Chauncey. And when you think of what Chauncey did in Grantham's offense, a lot of it was blitzing, trying to blow up screens. It's not just, you know, Hey, go cover the slot guy and run away and, you know, and run with him, which I think trading can do, but trading is a, a six foot two, 195 pound big uh, cornerback. So I think he's physical enough to get his hands on guys when uh, playing you know, in the slot as well as being able to do some of those things where when he's asked to blitz or if he's asked to, you know, blow up screens, stuff like that, I think he can do that. So I think that's a good, uh, a good fill for Chauncey Gardner. And then Florida got lucky to get Jonathan Grenard in, who's going to fill in where Jari yeah. Zuniga was at that buck position. Not only is it a, a graduate transfer, a senior, someone who has experience, but he has the most successful year at Louisville when Todd Grantham was the defensive coordinator. So he's not really coming into a situation where he's learning a new playbook. He's kind of stepping back into his old playbook and one that clearly he liked because he had a really good year in it. So I think those are the two areas on Florida's defense where you had key losses. And I think Florida found answers for them. So I would expect Florida's defense to, to at least be on the same level they were last year. I think it's a really strong unit. Um, with maybe a little bit of uh, a thin thinness and depth when it comes to the interior line. But I do like Kyrie Campbell. I think the line will be okay. Just, I think there's a couple spots on Florida's team, offense and defense, that are thin. And so I mean, that's probably any team in the country, though, where you, you lose two, three guys, and, and now you start you know, having some real questions. But I think Florida's defense won't take a step back in 20, 2019. All right, let's look at the other side in Miami and what they have coming through. With Manny Diaz stepping into his first year as head coach, uh, a little bit of a surprise this past week when we're looking at a quarterback competition. Many people expected the transfer from Ohio State, Tate Martell, to start. Instead, it's Jaron Williams. What do you think Florida's facing in the young quarterback in Williams, and how big of a surprise is it that it's not Martell taking the first snaps? Well, I think, uh, I don't know who's more surprised, uh, everyone, everyone watching that whole transfer saga that started with Justin Fields going to Ohio state or Tate, that he's not the starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, Jaron Williams was kind of like, just like the forgotten name. Cause it was in Kosi Perry or Tate Martell, um, that is going to, you know, who's going to win the job. And then Jaron comes out of nowhere, but I think we forget that he was a really good quarterback and he's really talented. He was recruited by Dan Muller when Dan was at Mississippi State. He was recruited by Florida and Jim McElwain when they were at, um, when they were in Gainesville. So it, it's not just like uh, you're, you're throwing somebody in there. But I think the true challenge is you have a first-time-ever head coach, a quarterback who's never played in a game, starting his first game on a big stage. There's no other games on. It's a really big stage. Two freshman right tackles. So as you know, Dan Enos being his offensive coordinator is going to try to figure out, Hey, how do we make him comfortable? And that's quick passes, screens, dump offs to the receivers. Just let him have some, some, some confidence building kind of plays. And if I'm Todd Grantham, I'm saying, how do I take those away? Because I want to get in the, get in the young quarterback's face early. Um, and, and I want to make him start questioning the game plan, questioning himself, um, and, and not let him have a, a first drive where he, completes four passes in a row and thinks, okay, I belong here. I'm going to, I'm going to tear this up because he is a talented quarterback with a good arm. Um, and he will have a very good future. Um, it, but it was surprising to me back to your original question was surprising to me that, that he was named the starter. Cause I, I, you know, when Tate Martell transferred, I figured, Oh, well that's Miami starter. 
Now, when you look at the defense that Miami has, it's been a strong unit the last few years, and Manny Diaz has certainly had his uh, hands all over the defensive side of the ball. What kind of challenges do you think they pose to Florida as we move into this first game? I'm really excited to see the chess match, especially early on, between Manny and and Florida and Dan Mullen. It's not just Dan Mullen that calls plays. Um, John Hevesy. Uh, Brian Johnson, Billy Gonzalez all kind of have their, their hand in it and, and they call plays. Obviously, you know, Dan is the head coach and the buck stops with him. So he's got final say, but Manny has familiarity with all three of them and they went up for a year, you know, uh, in practice and he knows what Dan wants to do and Dan knows what he wants to do. So I'm interested to see if it's kind of like a heavyweight boxing match to start where you're throwing jabs, just trying to get your timing together and, and figuring the figuring your opponent out. Or if Dan comes out and says, Hey, uh, I think we can take a shot here and, and maybe, you know, get something going early. Um, it, to me, that's a really interesting matchup because I think Miami's defense is big, fast, physical. Um, they were top five in the country last year for a reason. I think Shaq Corbin's an All-American, and um, that's that's really to me is is the key matchup when it comes to you know off the field stuff is that chess match between Dan Mullen and, and the offensive coaching staff of Florida and what Manny can do with the defense. Now it sounds to me like you think the Florida Gators are going to be pretty solid this year, but you don't sound like you think that this team is going to live up to kind of the national hype that some people have said of contending mm-hmm. for a playoff or a national championship. Can I get both a uh, prediction for this game from you, a score, and as well a season prediction for the Florida Gators and what uh, you expect down the road? Yeah, I, I think Miami is the. I think the only way Miami can win this game is if it's uh, a, a dirty turnover filled game that's, you know, a 17 to 14, 20 to 14. I don't think Miami's going to be able to score on Florida. Yeah, you know, Florida can put up 30 points. I don't think Miami can, can reach that total. Um, and I, I feel very confident. Just the fact that Florida's got basically a 12 month head start on where Miami is. Felipe Franks on Monday told us when we played our first game last year, I don't think the coaching staff knew all of our names and that's kind of where Miami is. They've got a team filled with junior college transfers um, and and other transfers, just trying to get enough guys on the field to be competitive this year to start building their program. Uh, And that's where Florida was last year. It doesn't mean Miami won't have a successful season. I just think they're not ready to face this, this damn Mullen Florida football team. Um, So I think Florida covers the spread. I'm not sure what points, but I, I think Florida wins by two touchdowns. I don't, I think I've picked Florida between 10 and two and nine and three for the season. Um, I was one of the, probably one of the few people to pick them to represent the East, uh, to win the East and represent the East in the SEC championship. Wow. Uh, but, but I don't put Florida on that Clemson, Alabama level just yet. I think this will be the best team Dan has in the next three years. When you look at how many seniors and, and NFL bound juniors that this team has, there's going to be a lot of attrition in the off season. Um, but I'm not ready to put Florida into that upper echelon of Alabama Clemson total, you know, um, title contender. Well, Nick, I really appreciate your time. I hope you have a safe trip down to Orlando. Absolutely. I'm always here whenever you need me. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And I've got one more thing for you before you, uh, hit the road. All right. Okay. There's always money in the banana stand. 
<laughs> oh, Arrested Development. That, that was such a great show. Uh, Netflix kind of ruined it. I know, man. I didn't love the Netflix. You know, I was so happy when it came back, but yeah, it's, it didn't live up. That first season, though, was comedic gold. Oh, it's killer. I, I actually haven't finished all this stuff on Netflix. It was so bad, but my wife and I really enjoyed the first three seasons of it. It was an, a, pretty immaculate. Watch those over again. Oh, yeah. We need to sometimes, certainly. There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> all right. With that, Nick, have a good trip down to Orlando. Enjoy the game, and I'll touch base with you again sometime soon. Have a good one. Once again, he is Nick Delatori, and you can find his work at GatorCountry.com or on Twitter at Nick Delatori GC. That's at Nick, D-E-L-A-T-O-R-R-E-G-C. I certainly agree with a lot of things that Nick had to say. I'm not sure I'm quite yet a full believer in Felipe Franks, but he certainly has shown some progress. And if the word around Gainesville comes to be anywhere near true, maybe he has taken another big step this season. It'll certainly be very interesting to watch how Franks and company go into this big matchup with Miami to kick off the season. I'm with Nick when it comes to this game. I think that the Gators find a way to win by a couple of touchdowns. I'm taking Florida 27-13. to I'm also partway there with Nick in terms of the overall outlook for this team. I think 9-3 and three makes an awful lot of sense. When you see Auburn at LSU, at Missouri, of course the game against Georgia on the schedule. But the part that doesn't make a lot of sense to me is I don't know how you look at this team, even if they find a way to get to 10-2, and two, I don't know how you can project them to go on to win the SEC East to face Alabama in the SEC championship game when you've got the Georgia Bulldogs in your own division. So I'll say that Florida, while very competitive throughout the year, comes up a little bit short having Georgia come away with the SEC East. That's all I've got for you for this segment, but right now I also want to tell you about what I'll have coming up in the show next week. This time next week, you'll need to be looking out for another episode of The Blackout. This time I'm going to be highlighting the Auburn-Oregon game in week one. And joining me from DuckSports.com will be Steve Mims, a beat reporter for the Register Guard. That's when he and I will break down the Ducks and everything pertaining to Justin Herbert and a potential chance for the Ducks to make a run at a Pac-12 title and maybe even make a run at a college football playoff appearance. And of course, just keep an eye out for BellyUpSports.com for new episodes of The Blackout. You can follow them on Twitter, at BellyUpSports, to ensure that you get the latest news anytime one of my episodes comes out. While you're on Twitter, you can also find me, at TB on the Blackout. For now, I'm off to break, and when we come back, I'll be joined by my wife, Kristen, and we'll check out how much she knows about the game of college football. All right, and now coming back to another segment of the blackout, and for the very, very first time, hopefully the first of many times, we've got a new guest on the show, one that shares the same last name that I do, my wife, Kristen. Kristen, how are you? I'm good. We'll see if this is a many times thing, depending on how much you embarrass me. (laughs) We will see, but I've got to test you, right? That's right. That's what we've been talking about coming here on The Blackout. I've been uh, living my life now with Kristen for a couple of years. We've been married for a couple of years, right? Yes. And so uh, I do my very best to be able to test you about college football in everyday normal life, right? Right. I do my very best to pay attention to the sports things you say. But uh, those opportunities don't present themselves all the time. 
Uh, you don't certainly watch as much college football as I do, right? I don't pay attention to as much college football as you do. Yeah, and you don't watch it either. <laughs> uh, but this is what we wanted to do. You know, we've been talking for a long time about how to incorporate Kristen and uh, some of her goofiness and some of her answers around college football and sports in general into the podcast. Uh, I think my favorite game with Kristen is uh, journeying around, commutes to work and such, and uh, quizzing her on college football logos I see on other people's cars. And honestly, you've gotten quite good at it. And uh, being that we don't travel nationwide, uh, I am limited in how many times I get to quiz you these days because you're quite familiar with a lot of these logos I show you. I'm pretty good at it. I'd say you are. Um, So that's something that I love doing, uh, but that also doesn't work very well on the podcast because, you know, pictures, logos, colors, none of those things the listener can see. And so that's not as fun to interact with on a podcast. So I've been brainstorming. We've talked about it. I've talked about it with some friends. I wanted to find a way to incorporate you onto the show. Uh, Real quick, before we get started with this quiz, I've uh, designed a quiz that, um, you know, I'm looking at, I think it's a quiz that you probably could have all of this information. Some of it's a little bit more of a reach. I think you will get things wrong. I think you certainly will get things right. Uh, But we're going to see just how much you've retained and how much you know from last college football season. Hit me. Well, before we start, too, I want to give a little bit of background for who you are and uh, your association with college football. So uh, where did you go to school? Clemson University. Go Tigers. And uh, in your time at Clemson, what did you get to witness? Uh, just giving some people a background, like how much, how much football have you seen and how much uh, are you familiar with your Clemson Tigers? Well, I am proud to say my freshman year at Clemson was Dabo Sweeney's first year as head coach. So I got to see the rise of Clemson from kind of okay to winning um, ACC championships and a national championship. So I was a big fan in college, as most Clemson students are. Rarely ever missed a home game, only a couple that I can remember um, but got to witness a lot of the greats. I remember some of the big ones from my time with C.J. Spiller while I was an undergraduate, um, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Ellington, Deshaun Watson coming through, and then I graduated after grad school. You've already messed up a little bit, but that's okay. What did I say wrong? He said, Oh, De- let me fix that. DeAndre Hopkins and... What is Andre Ellington? Yeah, there we go. She caught it herself. We named a fish after Andre my freshman year. I think I've probably heard this before, but I don't remember. So please elaborate. Um, We had a fish and we named it Andre. (laughs) And it was because of Andre Ellington? Yes. We also had three fish that died before Andre that were named Dabo, CJ, and... Oh, Zimmy, the kicker was Zimmerman at the time. <laughs> I think you have told me that before, but I think I, uh, I forgot that. So I like that tidbit. That's good. That's my take. All right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and start Kristen's first quiz on the blackout. Uh, a number of these questions, not all of them, but a number of them are multi-part questions. <laughs> so we're going to figure out just how much you know uh, as we jump back and forth around different topics. But a lot of it is related to information you already know. Uh, but we're just going to test how much you know as a whole from college football from last season. So in these next few questions, we've got 18 parts that you can possibly get right. What? This is long. It's five questions, 18 parts. Good gosh. All right, question number one. Okay. 
as we look back to last season, which four teams made the college football playoff? Mm, I've got this one. We had the first game, Notre Dame versus Clemson. And the second game was Alabama versus, oh, Ohio State? Oh. No, that was the year before. Uh, you got three of the four right. Hold on, right. let me think about this. Um, Alabama played. Oh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the Heisman winner. All yes. right. Well, you got three of four. I'm not giving you credit for that because you missed it, and then was I corrected you. Was it Ohio State you. last year? No. Okay, never mind. It was several years ago. Uh, Move on. Okay. Get over it. All right, so you got <laughs> you got three of four right. So uh, I thought you were going to get all four of those, but uh, I knew that Oklahoma was going to be a little bit more of a reach for you. Oklahoma was the previous year, too. I've got to say, so I, first off, I'm a little disappointed so far. I thought you were going to get all four of those right. Stop it. Next question. When you go back to last season, Clemson and Alabama met in the national championship game. They did. What was the final score of the game? Clemson scored 40-something. 45, 44, one of those two. Alabama scored much less. They scored 10? More? I'm going to go 45 to 10. That is not right. (laughs) This is one that I thought you were going to get wrong. Final score was really 44 to 16. Uh, I was close. Now, when just a couple days ago, you talked about this, and you nearly got me to tell you, well, you tried to get me to tell you what the final score of the game was, but I didn't say a word because I knew this was going to be part of the quiz. I didn't look it up either. I know you didn't look it up because... You were wrong then, and you were wrong now. (laughs) That's true. But uh, the other day, you said something to the effect of, I think you said like 45 to 3. Okay, that was really wrong then. But do you remember, do you remember that, um, do you remember how that Clemson scored first in this game? Yes. How did they score? Do you remember? Like on the first drive. You don't remember. No, it was on a, it was on an interception. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was. It was defensive. It was a pick six. Final answer. Yeah, it was a pick six. That's not part of the quiz. But the other part was you said it was like 45 to three the other day, but Alabama led in this game after Clemson scored a touchdown to start. Could have been my three. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, never mind. Okay, I get it. Okay, you're three for five so far. All right, so we're moving on to the next question. Pretty good. All right, with Clemson and Alabama meeting in the college football playoffs national championship last year, how many consecutive times have Clemson and Alabama met in the college football playoff? Mm. Lost one, 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 lost one, 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 four. Woo! Good job. Good answer. Thank you. I was a little worried about that one. I thought you might have missed it. No, or... I just know we lost one, we won one, we lost one, we won one. Fair enough. That's four for six. Very good. Thank you. You're doing decently well. I'm on an uphill swing right now. All right, you've already alluded to this one. So we're going back beyond the playoff now, talking about a different kind of topic, but around the same time last year. Mm -hmm. Who was last year's Heisman Trophy winner? Which school did he play for? And which team in the NFL drafted him number one overall? 
That's too many questions. Kyler Murray was the Heisman winner. He played for Oklahoma. He is now at I have no clue where in the NFL. Are you going to take a wild guess? Uh, the Dolphins. <laughs> no. Cowboys. No. Redskins. No. Quit. I can keep going. <laughs> he, now he was drafted number one overall by the, by the Arizona Cardinals. That was my next guess. Too bad. All right. Your final question mm-hmm. as we look back at college football. This one is partly due uh, to information from last season, partly with what we will see coming up this year. So I want to know, Kristen Black, can you name three quarterback transfers mm. along with which school they started at and which school they'll be playing for this year? I'm confident in two, I think. We have Kelly Bryant who left Clemson and is going to be at Missouri. Okay. Right? One for one, kind of three points right there. Good job. Jalen Hurts left Alabama. He is going to be... Where is he going to be? I can't remember now. Ohio State? No. Uh, you got the first two parts of that right, though. So I'm going to give you two out of three points on that one. Okay, my third one. I remember there's a guy from Georgia that left. Um, Jake Fromm is their actual quarterback. His backup. Justin Fields. And what do you know about Justin Fields? He used to be Georgia's quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> there's three parts to this question. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Justin Fields. I don't know. Is he like the kid of a celebrity or something? Where is he playing now? Oh, that was the question. I forgot the second <laughs> the kid part. kid of a celebrity. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> He's a Kardashian, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh gosh. He's, is he going to Ohio State? Hey! I knew someone was getting somebody. There you go. <laughs> you went three for three on that one. I thought that you were going to get, uh, I thought you were going to miss at least one piece of that information on that one. But I thought you were going to get Jalen Hurts. You were almost there. Let me think about where he's going some more. He's going to. Three seconds. Oklahoma. Yes. Oh, but it really? doesn't count. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. You got two or three does. on that one. Is that the end? Did I make an A? That's the end of your scored quiz. So your final score on this quiz is 14 out of 18. Not bad. That's a 78. That's a C. <laughs> I did the math. I don't do Cs. Oh, man. Well, it's a decent start for you on the podcast, right? I'll improve through the season. Will you come back sometime and do this again? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't embarrass you too much, did I? I embarrassed myself. <laughs> Well, I told you, some of this stuff was going to be a reach. You were going to know some of it right offhand, but 14 out of 18 parts, I'd say that's pretty decent. I'll take it. It's kind of close to what I was expecting, though. Okay. You slightly overachieved in a couple spots, and you underwhelmed in a couple spots. At least I didn't completely disappoint you. No, not completely disappointed. You would have had to have uh, gotten closer to a failing mark if you were going to do that. <laughs> but I'll expect more the next time. 
All right, be average. All right, Kristen, thanks for stopping by the blackout. It's fun to have her show up on the show. It's the first time, but hopefully we'll have it happen again sometime down the road. For now, that's all the time I have for this episode of The Blackout. But for now, I'd like you to keep up at bellyupsports.com for each and every latest episode of the show. Additionally, if you could give me a review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast, I'd love to hear your feedback on interviews and on things like The Quiz with Kristen. With your feedback, I'll continually be able to make a podcast that you love to listen to each and every week of the college football season. And don't forget to come back next week for a preview of the Auburn-Oregon game with Stephen Mims of DuckSports.com. I'm your host, Thomas Black, and you've been listening to The Blackout. Blackout.